0: Hey, this is Sean from the Wasted Knowledge Podcast. You're listening to part one of our interview with Ramsey Veach. He was a a, a martial arts instructor, my former sensei, and also has a lot of other interesting jobs. Uh, So in this uh, portion, we're going to hear a little bit about uh, his background, how he became a martial arts instructor and, and practitioner. Uh, According of the nature of true knowledge, and also what uh, it is to be a practitioner versus a teacher, and what that inner relationship is, and uh, the core principles of instruction, which might sound weird, but I promise you, we're still drinking. So sit back, relax, enjoy. Cheers. Well, welcome to the Wasted Knowledge podcast, uh, where we ask subject matter experts what it is they do and talk to them about their profession
1: and their life experience. All while preparing and drinking. Cocktails. All right.
0: If we sound a little undertone and are quiet today, it's because we are recording live from Dragon Con, and uh, we may or may not have been doing this podcast or versions of it without microphones all weekend.
1: I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, having a blast here at Dragon Con.
2: Yeah.
1: And this is this? our first podcast of today, third day, fourth day of Con. I don't
0: think that matters. Really no, one matters. matters. I'm going to edit this part out. <laughs> Whoa. <clears throat> so with us today is Ramsey Beach. I, I, I don't know why I said that with a partial accent, but sorry. Sorry. Okay? Um, I um, feel like you
1: should have to say it that way for the rest of the. It's yeah. just how you say Ramsey Beach.
0: You need more German accent. Rem Savage. that Anyway, I'm going to go down a dark hole. No, not like that. It's just Dragon Con. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so we, we, we initially met because you were my sensei back in Allentown, uh, and, and uh, in thinking about that I thought it would just be cool to have you on, just to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what else do you do?
2: Professionally? Yes. Okay. Um, uh, well, I work in the medical field, so I am an x-ray tech by trade. Um, I work in interventional radiology right now and uh, as well as diagnostic radiology at an urgent care center. Um, I have my own company called uh, CTI the Valley, which is concrete resurfacing. So we prepare and um, do some concrete uh, leveling or resurfacing to make it look nice. Um, and then uh, my other profession, which is what I'm gonna talk about today is uh, martial arts. I've been doing martial arts for uh, 17 years, um, several different kinds. Um, you know, I've dabbled in several others as well, so. Mm-hmm.
0: We might talk about some of the other stuff, too. That's o- fine. Only because it's an it's a interesting intersection, I think.
2: Yeah, we can talk about everything. Um, yeah. the, but, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the best thing is I get to mix them all, and I get to, to do them all professionally.
0: Yeah. So what, uh, what got you started in martial arts?
2: Martial arts, uh, I was a kid uh, when Van Dam, Steven Seagal, and uh all them uh brandon lee not much of a bruce lee guy but when all when they were all making movies you know Dolph lunger Sylvester sebester sloan the action guys when they were all making movies it was wow i want to i want to do what they're doing so karate kicks you know whatever chuck norris you know he's doing all this cool stuff and i wanted to learn all that Mm -hmm. i want to do all that my parents signed me up for karate lessons when I was a kid. You know, we went to Taekwondo school for like three months and you couldn't really afford it back when I was like 10 or 11. I went to a community college karate class for just a little bit. And that was very short-lived. I fell asleep while I was meditating. Um, I remember that <laughs> waking me up. I guess I was really meditating well, really channeling that key. And so uh, those short-lived experiences uh, just kept me active, you know, watching movies mainly that, just wanted to be an action star, throwing myself down the steps because I wanted to be a stunt man. just all that kid stuff that parents won't let their kids do today because they're scared of getting hurt, but I think kids should be getting hurt, otherwise they're boring so with that, Steven Seagal really piqued my interest because he had this very profound unique look about him and the way he did everything was just so slick it wasn't just punching and kicking it was techniques it was movement and uh, very theatrical martial arts that was a little different on the screen than what we're used to which is like the kung fu movies the 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 typical karate kid uh, punch kick block Mm -hmm. and and that's what really picked my interest so i i that was around the time when internet was a new thing, because I'm really ancient. Now I feel like it, <laughs> at thirty-five. So, um, so when the internet was just kind of being born, uh, we, you know, Google wasn't even a thing yet at this point. I don't think when I when I yeah. So I'm using, I'm using like whatever was prior to Google. I don't even know what like it was. Ask Jeeves. Like ask yeah, us. like ask Ask Jeeves or something. Better I'm like crawler, okay, Jeeves. What what martial arts does Steven Seagal know? And it came up aikido. You know, the the web was very small at that time, but I, I figured it out. And then I spent uh, about a year or so doing nothing about it. But then eventually, when I was about 19, I really started honing down on schools, trying to figure out, well, I want to do this. You know, I just want to. I'm, I'm going to do. It. I want to learn what he learns or what he knows. And so I, I looked up uh, Mara, uh, aikido schools in the Lehigh Valley. And I came across two. The one I went there, uh, or I went searching for, couldn't find it. MapQuest wasn't really up to date at that time, maybe that's why. But uh, I, I went looking for it and I couldn't find it. So I said, okay, well that's 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 done. So turns out later they just moved or something. But I'll tell you why a little later. But the, but I, I'm actually thankful I didn't end up going there, um, which we can cover later. But the, the other one is a. My girlfriend and I at the time went up to the school that I went to to learn everything and signed up the next day, and that was it. He, he taught Aikido. That's why I went there. That's why I wanted to, to go there. That was it. No questioning about it. Just he taught Aikido. I want to learn it. That was it. Is that the same dojo I met you in? Yes. Cool. Yep. We actually we moved since then uh, twice, but but, the, but that is that is the dojo that... I'll be mad at. Yeah. Cool. I'm gonna shake a cocktail real quick. That's fine. Shake away. Choo-choo. <laughs> this is really cold. <laughs> I don't
0: know
2: why you didn't do that while I was talking. Yeah. Okay, I didn't want to be rude.
1: Oh, that. So you were 19.
2: I was 19 when I, started, when I started when uh, I started looking for schools. Uh, I was technically 20 when I signed up, and I actually started. So uh, early October uh, 2003.
1: What were you doing at the time?
2: I was already just just graduated for a couple of years uh, prior from, uh, from high school, and I was just working full-time at a warehouse, a local warehouse. So uh, I essentially signed up. I went to every class I could, including private lessons every day of the week that I could. You know, like Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays for the most part, and then Saturdays was the only day I didn't go. So, so I I was I was getting six seven classes a week, so you uh, six six, seven hours a week. I yeah I I dove right in in, yeah. So yeah, the the main martial art that I wanted to learn was Aikido, and that was the Steven Seagal art, but I was fortunate enough to come across a teacher who had other arts under his belt, such as Kenpo, which is very similar to Karate, uh, it practically the same thing, which we can go over later. Um, samurai sword, which is what Sean was learning at the time yeah. with his wife uh, prior to leaving for Atlanta, and then uh, a jiu- a traditional Jiu jitsu, Japanese Jiu Jitsu. So yeah. a couple other things here and there, but um, nothing, nothing full on. Uh, through him, through that teacher.
0: So how? So I, so I met you as as a sensei, as a teacher. When when I guess when did you start, or, or how long have you been teaching? And kind of what brought you from being a student into into mm-hmm. sharing?
2: Great. Great. Uh, so. Also, cheers. Cheers. Let me uh,
0: get my alcoholic
2: beverage. Okay, that's hundred proof. Yeah. with some simple ones <laughs> some With some so simple urban line. Like like 90. 90. So, yeah. <laughs> set, set it set it a fire first. I, yeah. I gave you the smallest one. Nice. It's all good. So uh, becoming a martial arts teacher, some some schools, um, some affiliations, however you want to say societies, organizations, they will force people to become teachers? We have, in the organization I was with, being a teacher was part of the requirements to get to a certain point. I agree with that to, to an extent. Teaching has a lot of uh, advantages. If you are really passionate or you really like to do something and you can get, you can achieve a certain level of it, not not from what somebody else tells you, but from a level you think you can achieve, then teaching, whether you want to or not, it's really important to learning. Because there gets to, you get to a point where teachers can't really teach you much anymore. It really dwindles down the amount of information they could possibly give you. Mm-hmm. And you start eventually surpassing your teachers. That's that's the whole goal, is you want to surpass your teacher in every way whatsoever. And if your teacher's good, They'll allow that, and they, and they want you to be better than them. They want you to understand it. They want you to just, just, you know, just knock it out of the park. Um, but some people aren't meant to teach. Either they don't like to teach, or they're just naturally bad teachers. And that's, that's okay. You force somebody to teach, sometimes they might say, oh, I actually do like this. Um, or they might actually be better than they thought. Some people think that they would be good teachers, and they're not. Some people just need practice. I think we all need practice teaching. You can't just, you know, just because you know something really well doesn't mean you're going to be a good teacher, you know. Um, so, it was part of the requirements, and uh, you know, we we did we did uh, assisting of the classes. We also did if my teacher was away, we will cover classes. We can host our own classes if we wanted to once we got to a certain level and I love teaching. I can teach, as long as I know the subject matter, I'll teach anybody anything um, to the best of my ability. And I firmly believe that I am a decent teacher. I can get you to understand something uh, a little better and I can kind of pick up when you're not understanding it. Um, Some people just kind of, well, you're not understanding it, but you will. I really want people to understand things right away. So. so, did you find, I guess,
0: two things? Did you find that teaching let you kind of read people better? Or, like, kind of basically get, get a sense of kind of empathy for your students and, like, how, how information is absorbed? I don't know if maybe you already had that, but also, did teaching give you a deeper understanding of the material? Like, was that part of that process of? Yes. Yes, I'd learned the thing and maybe I'd quote unquote mastered the thing. Mm-hmm. But relaying that information kinda of, did that give you like a new depth of or, or side to the the knowledge itself.
2: So the empathy part, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. It's
0: like plagiarized that you can tell when someone's not understanding the material. Like having that sense,
2: I think that is. I, see, I don't know because I, I feel like I have that sense. I might be wrong. I'm, hun, you know, a hundred percent of the time, I have no idea. So I, I'm a straightforward person. So I'll ask you, are you understanding this? Or, and a lot, you get a lot of the yes man, yes, yes, yes. I, I, oh yeah, okay. Oh, I got it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and you could just tell they don't because then they they do the technique or they do the the maneuver, whatever. Uh, seconds later, and it's like, oh, it's obvious you don't, but having it up here in the head having it you know translate into your motor movements can be totally separate mm-hmm. you no. might you might understand the concept of it but it takes time for your your, your body to, to adjust to it
1: yeah there's a quote and I can't remember it, so I don't want to put your it's name. not basically, helpful what it's not helpful right I know but some it quotes it basically <laughs> says in paraphrasing <laughs> it basically says like true knowledge is being able to explain something to somebody who's never heard of it before. Mm. Um, Like, that's when you fully know a subject matter. And I think that, like, is teaching in a a nutshell is kind of taking all this knowledge that you've spent years accumulating and being able to impart it onto somebody else in a very basic manner that Uh, they can understand.
0: Tangentially related, I have come to really loathe the phrase or the saying, those who can do and those who can't teach it just makes me so angry when i think about it. like wow you're just calling teachers nothing saying that they can't like no they they understand the material and they take the time to relay it mm-hmm. and they are masters in their own rights yeah. you know, whether it's english or aikido or anything else and i, I used to think that saying was funny and and it was just the last couple of years I realized how offensive that is. Yeah. And like I don't know, someone said on the radio the other day, and I was just like, I got angry. And I was like, "How? Oh, fuck you!" Yeah. I don't know. We're, so, we're not supposed to swear in the podcast, but uh, I've, I've got, got a lot of anything to do for, be for last night. Yeah. yeah a and revolt. technically, you get a, you get a couple give but man, uh, man, that.
2: But but the but the, the go on your point you were just saying was. Uh, what I had mentioned earlier a little bit was, it, just because you're, you could be really, really good at something, mm-hmm. doesn't make you a good teacher automatically. Right. And that's that's kind of where some of my, my um, uh, bias lies. I, I, I hate to see good people who are good at what they do want to teach. And Then I see people who, who uh, aren't that great but want to teach, and I actually go for them, them because I know they can always get better. And teaching will make them better.
1: Hmm.
2: But if you're uh, so touching on what you said asked earlier, yes. If you're if you're going to teach, I I believe personally just because I've been through it, but I've I've never not been through it because I am right. a teacher. Uh, it, if you teach, I believe that it will teach you in return because oh, you, you will you will you will know where your mistakes you. are. You will you will try to explain something and realize how dumb you sound or how dumb something might seem when you're now embarrassed in front of a student because either a student calls you out on it or it doesn't work or um, you you contradict something else and you're just like, wait a minute, you're absolutely right, like crap. So uh, you just have to to really take in everything that's going on, make your corrections. If you're wrong, admit to you're wrong, being wrong, Mm -hmm. and then just go from there. But was, everybody's going to make mistakes.
0: Was there a scenario where, where a student, and not like trying to point something out, but just that in asking for an explanation or some sort of logic, gave you a new insight to what it was you were teaching?
2: Yeah, I can't really specify anything specific. You know, I can't I can't say, yeah, this one instance taught me this lesson. Uh, I, I can guarantee you there's been many, I'm sure, uh, but nothing specific where it stands out and I'll never forget it type stuff. Sure, sure yeah i mean like it, yeah. but it happens it happens every, pretty much every time you teach if you're not teaching yourself something while you're teaching you're probably doing something wrong or you're, or you're teaching something so basic right you know so
1: i feel like just in my everyday life there are times where like i try to verbalize something mm-hmm. and just the act of trying to verbalize something or communicate something with somebody else Gives me more clarity on the subject or maybe change my mind or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I, I see what you're saying. <coughs> and that happens in everyday life. You just, I'll have a problem. And that's really what I do with most of my problems these days is I have a problem. I might just talk to somebody about an idea or a problem I have just to hear myself speak. Mm-hmm. Horrible is that something. I think, it, I think you need a therapist <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But, but just to hear myself say it out loud. And sometimes I end up talking myself into a solution. Yeah, so, that, so that the communicating, like knowing in your head and being able to communicate to somebody else, like those are just two different levels of clarity. I guess is the best way that I can. I, I, I really, I really like that. And I, I think that I we talked a little bit about teaching with a former guest because his job was to basically go out and teach people how to play a game. And now and talking to you about teaching other people, it, it's kind of been cool for me because um, I think that's the main reason why, the only reason why I actually went into restaurant management, hmm. because there's no money in restaurant management, and there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of like a lot of responsibility. But yeah, I found it so much more fulfilling. Than when I was serving or bartending because I'm passing on things I'm teaching things I'm kind of helping others make their way in a field that I spent a lot a lot of years and experience in so I think that's really kind of I think it's really kind of cool listening to you talk about like teaching others and what you learn from teaching and what you gain from
2: yeah yeah is that something you think you're going
0: you know, is that something that you want to do for the rest of your life
2: yeah I, I plan on teaching for as long as i can physically or mentally teach you know whatever mm-hmm. i if i can teach to even if i'm in a wheelchair uh you know if somebody wants to learn from me I'll, yeah. I'll teach as long as you can trust them grandmaster in a wheelchair I got ball
1: you were talking yeah. a little bit yeah dodge about a wrench you could dodge <laughs> <a> ball <laughs> yeah, you could. you're talking a little bit how you have like some people who are really good but not great teachers and then some people who may not be that great but they make really well good teachers and they can learn from that experience do you find, because I, I can kind of draw a parallel and just, especially on the physical side of things, like sports or um, teaching and coaching in that sense, you find that, or I guess really the competitive side of things, do you find that some of the like top competitors don't make really great teachers because I feel like part of competition is kind of selfish and... Like to be like a top number one contender or co- competitor, a lot of times you gotta be selfish, you gotta be hyper-focused on you and what you do. And it's kind of hard to teach in that way. That's, a, that's, a, that's a
2: really point. good question. Um, I would say that I don't think any, any, any one side of the spectrum is going to determine a uh, 100%. Hey, this person's obviously better than this person. Um, so you have people who compete in certain competitions that are really really good. Then you have some that uh, that don't compete that are still just as equally good. Mm-hmm. But the problem is you can't prove that because the person who doesn't compete doesn't compete. Therefore, you'll never see them put together. And you'll never see which one's actually better, right? Um, so it's kind of hard to, to 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 compare them. So I would I have to automatically say that being a being a competitor, whether it's number one or number ten competitor, whatever. Uh, your ranking is in a competition like jiu-jitsu or uh, wrestling, boxing, um, karate tournaments. All I can say is that they they might have a better understanding of the competitive field. So if you're looking to compete as a student, that's who you might want to go to because they're going to know the ins and outs of actual scenarios, uh, of actual rules and um, competitive play than somebody who's never competed. I've never personally competed in any competitions. Yes, I know some of the rules. But if somebody said, "Hey, Ramsey, I want to learn how to, you know, compete. I want to be, a, you know, I want to compete in a, a judo competition or a, you know, a karate competition." Yeah, I can teach you some stuff, but I can't teach you how to compete. Right. But I can teach you how to do really, really good. Uh, being a competitor changes your mindset. Because uh, you're in a safe environment. All the stuff that I do is from a self-defense standpoint. Mm. I, I, I can't. Yes, I can test it if I wanted to go to a competition. The only problem is there's there's a few different mindsets in the world. You have the non-competitive, you have the competitive, then you have like survival. So if you have if you have a competitive mindset, there's always rules. No matter what ring you're in. Uh, UFC, just some you know regular sparring match down the road. Uh, even those underground fights you will see with the Gracies, uh, you know, but yeah. everybody else, whether they say there's no rules or not, just just socially there's a rule, right? You're not killing the guy, you're not trying to kill the person, but there's, so there's some sort of a rule holding you back. In self-defense, there's no rules, and if I'm going to be attacked, for example, I'm, chances are I might kill you okay because it's my life or yours it's my wife's life or yours you know one of those things uh and then in the non-competitive world you could spar but you're not obviously trying to hurt anybody just trying to get them to open up at the at the most you might get hit just to realize oh your block wasn't sufficient your movement wasn't sufficient you didn't turn you didn't do this you didn't do that um so that's that's uh, so the mindset is is huge so if you were trying to learn something specific i would go to somebody who's experienced in that and uh but as far as a practitioner goes or just being a better teacher which i would say is the same thing then then i would say go to either of them depending on what what your your goal is cool. you want to learn a martial art Go to a karate guy who has won competitions. You can go to a karate guy who never competed in his life. You're gonna. It's all about the teacher, and you know, do you enjoy that teacher? Do you think what he's teaching is solid? Does he have, you know, a good background?
1: Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, I do. I do compare teaching to.
2: To. Uh, regular everyday uh, general education topics such as like math English Mm -hmm. history math is math right Mm -hmm. and if you want to be a math teacher in any kind of college whatsoever you have to have a certain level of math right right at least at least a masters what they get in a doctorate in math I have no idea but you have to at least have a masters in math to teach at a university, correct? Right. So if that's true, then what math is, is Professor A, who's working at a local community college learning mm-hmm. or having been taught, versus the guy who teaches at Yale? What kind of math was he taught? Okay, two different universities, two totally different price ranges, two different um, schools of thought maybe, they went to different schools. To, to learn their math but math is math there's no changing it so why is the Yale math automatically more prestigious than this guy's math why is his calculus better than his calculus now they might be different they better might be a better teacher than one another mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that that the Yale teacher is better than the community college teacher as far as teaching goes right right so so I, I kind of compare those because it's just it makes it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, we can't compare a teacher to another teacher just because they went to different schools. Um, I,
0: I am in the back of my head imagining like oh, terrible yeah. English lip dub kung fu movies, mm-hmm. but they're talking about math instead of kung fu. See, like, so your math is as good as mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Two plus two. Ah, you lose. It's three.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. You did not show your work. Yes.
2: And you can't so, tell, like, but our lips are moving not to the sound of our voice.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily carry over, but I think the puns and the jokes do. Uh, (laughs) What is your stance on the show your work thing? Well, so math changed uh, since we were all in school, and I I talked actually to a a high school math teacher uh, last year, and he was explaining to me the current version of new math because we also the new the new
1: addition method.
0: Right, where it's like you kind of extrapolate out numbers and then kind of plug them back in, and, it, and he is. So this guy was a good teacher, and like so, so he sat down, and I'm like, I'm thirty four at the time, going, I don't, I know that four plus seven is eleven, and I don't know why you have eleven steps to show me that. And he's like, well, so this is why, and there's there's kind of basically like this sort of logic train that it doesn't seem to make sense to use it in that one instance, but the idea is that you can apply this logic to any math problem. So it's kind of like one ring to rule them all. And it was it was convoluted again for that one portion, but it was kind of beautiful when you're like, Oh yeah, this is how you can just approach math. And I was like, Oh, that's that's neat. And I, I of course, I've yeah. forgotten the explanation because um, I don't have to do it anymore. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm glad you actually touched on that because that is a huge thing in the world of martial arts. Yep. Which is working on the basis of principle. Mm-hmm. So, um, you, uh, for example, you just stated that this guy was a really good teacher mm-hmm. and he got you to understand, at least at the time, uh, the reason behind doing a method that we see as just, like, just stupid. -hmm, Right, and -hmm. just a waste of time. Why not just memorize what seven is, what four is, and just add them up? Right. So in the martial arts, it's the same thing. People will view a certain thing in a martial art that they don't understand or they don't haven't seen before. Right. And they'll view it and go, "Well, that's crap. That's not how you're supposed to do it, or that's that's not done properly, or this could be this is this is how you can do it better." And they look at that with that third that third eye, and they're like, "Oh, well." The heck! So, uh, what they're not understanding is they're not understanding uh, the, the context of the whole w- what's all happening. Right. So there's there's energies flowing in between the the, the two people that are sparring, mm-hmm. or there's certain situations going on within the the, the the movements that are going on in the in the, in the scene and the what in the video, whatever you're watching. Right. So if you don't understand the context, or if somebody's not explaining, you might just see like, oh well, that looks. Looks pointless. Like, why would I ever do that? Mm-hmm. Especially if you have a self-defense mindset, you might be like, "Why is this even relevant to self-defense?" That would never work. But you're learning principles, you're learning basics that you can apply to any situation whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You combine that with motor skills that you can just drill, drill, and get your muscle memory going. Then, 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 boom! It's like, Ugh. great. Right. So, just same, same thing. So he can get that through your head that whole math thing that I've never learned but I guess these kids are learning yeah. uh, and you know wh- however long it took him to teach you seven minutes so I, mean, I realized I use
0: 7 mm-hmm. a lot in this last exam but it was yeah. a sh- it was a, sh- a rather short amount of time mm-hmm. it did not take them very long
2: yeah and, and but you've, you just said you don't remember how to do it anymore because it's not practical mm-hmm. and you haven't had the need to use it mm-hmm. but if you were to practice that yeah. method mm-hmm. that principle over and over again regularly at least you know once a week or whatever then today you'd be like yeah i know how to do that and eventually you'd be able to do it without even thinking about it without having to recall notes without having to recall your podcast Mm -hmm. or whatever so yeah Uh, so yeah we do the same thing in in martial arts for sure
0: all right if you're still listening that must mean you enjoyed the part one of our interview with ramsey veach i really hope you did Uh, of course leave us uh, a like a positive review on any platform you might listen to us on apple stitcher spotify google anything uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, as always, you can always reach out to us at WastedK Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can email us at wastedknowledgepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Patreon uh, forward slash wasted knowledge. Uh, and we actually have a Twitch channel, uh, wasted underscore knowledge and wasted gaming. I believe we own both now. <laughs> so uh, occasionally TC and I will be streaming on there. Uh, we really appreciate you listening. And always get to safe right home. Cheers.